This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby Snymer returns tomorrow. 416-360-0740-1-866-740-4740. The numbers to call if you're interested in speaking with retired Colonel Pat Stogren. After a storied military career, Pat Stogren joined the ranks of the public service, becoming Canada's first veterans ombudsman. Now, six years later, he says the experience in Ottawa was more traumatic than any of his years in war. Colonel Stogren wrote a book about his experience called Rude Awakening, and he joins us to talk about it. Thanks for being here on Fight Back, Colonel. Well, delighted to be here. Thank you. Your interview with us on Zoomer Weekend Review was so intriguing, we wanted to get you in for a longer-form conversation, so thank you again for your time. Um, that, that line almost sounds like it's from a movie, that your experience in Ottawa was more traumatic than going to war. How so? I was messed up for two or three years afterwards in terms of anger and frustration. Um, just to have served with the people I did and done the things that I've done over 30 years in the military and see the kind of sacrifices that our young people make for this country when they sign up. And then to, as I, I neared the upper echelons of the Canadian forces and became kind of disillusioned with the way we were prosecuting operations in Afghanistan, uh, I saw my uh, move to veteran affairs as an opportunity to give back to those people who I feel deeply indebted to and to see the way that our most severe casualties are being uh, neglected and uh, uh, just pushed aside by and deliberately so by the very government that they serve. Um, I just didn't know what to do with myself. And quite honestly, were it not for my family and the fact that I had uh, 30 years under my belt and some degree of stability built into my lifestyle, um, I shudder to think how it could have uh, ended up for me also. It seems ironic, uh, given the way uh, the Canadian government holds up Remembrance Day, uh, that we're a nation that honours soldiers returning from war who died for our country. This is what we all believe as a nation, and yet you're saying that injured soldiers coming back are disregarded. Can you um, not give maybe um, pre- well, specific sure examples, but maybe a story? Plug my book. <laughs> um, I see it as a facade. I saw it as a, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in the uh, past four or five years, the War of 1812 was being afforded uh, a higher kind of status, if you will, in terms of the uh, the consciousness of our government than the Afghanistan war veterans were. Um, yeah, I look at uh, Remembrance Day, and it's it's always been a very important uh, thing to my family uh, uh, as well as me professionally. And uh, and I just shake my head when I think of the discussions I had with senior bureaucrats, with uh, politicians that clearly were not 
walking the talk. They say one thing to the general populace, and uh, completely uh, the opposite is happening behind the scenes. And, you know, the, the point of my book, the reason why I'm still so passionate about it, is Canadians should understand that that kind of malfeasance and intransigence is not limited to just the way they treat veterans. You look at any demographic in Canadian society that requires the support of the federal government and what a terrible situation it is. And and the first one that jumps to mind is our First Nations people and the residential schools and the legacy, the the tragic legacy that has only been unfolding in, in the last couple of years in that area. Canadians should really wonder what's next. Uh, we see the tip of the iceberg, I would submit, with uh, Revenue Canada and the, the tax havens and how they're quite uh, quick to clamp down on, on mainstream Canadians for any failures that they might have in their taxes. But meanwhile, they're actually assisting, they're, they're complicit in these tax havens overseas. So yeah, we're all getting older and we're all going to be availing ourselves of the health care system it might not be around any longer than old age security will be. I want to know what you were told, what what you tried to um, advocate for and what you were told that disillusioned you to the point of being stressed out, at, worse so than being at war. Oh, well, right at the t- top of the uh, the list was the new Veterans Charter, which was brought in as a, a as a way of modernizing things for the new veteran or for the the. Re- uh, needs of the new veterans, and they brought it in as flawed legislation, and it was deeply flawed. And I, I tried working with the uh, administration, uh, not only with senior bureaucrats, but speaking frankly to two ministers that I worked for, and, and I also walked the hallowed halls and spoke to the likes of uh, of Lori Hahn and, and those people, and encouraged them, or pleaded with them to open up the uh, continual review that that flawed piece of legislation um, uh, had been promised under. If you recall, it, it, the new Veterans Charter was introduced by fanfare uh, because it was unanimously accepted and expedited through all of the normal processes of Parliament. And understanding that there would be flaws, but it would be subjected to a continual review. So I went to the, uh, the seniors that be and said, okay, let's open it up. And they basically pushed me out of the office, said they had no intention of it. There was no way. That, that's ultimately why I fell on my sword on the 10th of August, is because they were saying one thing publicly to Canadians, and behind the scenes were basically just pushing me out of the office. What is life like for an injured veteran? So, say an injured veteran coming back from Afghanistan. What, what would he or she then do? What, what would well, life be like? That's kind of like asking what, uh, how long is a, a piece of string kind of thing, because so many people act in, in, in different ways. My concern was, was not necessarily for the people who you see on TV these days, the spokespeople and the, the people chaining themselves to Parliament Hill to get their, uh, what they feel they deserve. My concern are the young people, and I know there are many of them out there who have maybe a physical disability, but definitely are having difficulty assimilating back into civilian society, mm-hmm. who are look at ter- looking at terminating their lives. And I see it as a, as a black hole. I know the depression that I suffered after 
being the veterans ombudsman, as I say, it, it, it's it's traumatic for a military person who's been recruited and has been pumped up to serving their country. And, and let's face it, we spend millions of dollars to inculcate them into the society that, that will lay their life down for Canadians in a heartbeat. But when they're broken, they're thrown on the scrap heap. You'll recall the, the uh, Joint Service uh, uh, Personnel Service Unit that uh, um, has, has been on and again off again the subject of, of uh uh, of discussion in the news because it was supposed to facilitate the transition leaving the military to become a, uh, a, a an active civilian and it's been grossly underfunded and mismanaged and it seems like uh, once they're broken they're thrown on the scrap heap. We're speaking with retired Colonel Pat Stogren, uh, the former veterans ombudsman here in Canada, who has written a book called Rude Awakening, which is how he describes his experience in working for the government of Canada. If you have a question for Colonel Stogren, we invite your calls, 416-360-0740, uh, we Canadians, we know very little about the lives of veterans. Uh, mainstream Canadians know that in the case of the war in Afghanistan, what, what you're doing over there and the time you're serving, and, and we see you leave on planes and come back, but that's really the extent of what we know as Canadians. Uh, and I guess it was your job, or you felt it was your job, to advocate for these people. And, and what you're saying is that the reception was dismal, was non-existent. It was a facade. It was, I uh, had been hired to be a complaints manager within the department and basically um, do what I was told by the deputy minister. I was paraded before some very senior bureaucrats and told as much. I expressed to one senior person in the Privy Council office that uh, uh, m- the uh, position was advertised as being one of arm's length, and this person looked down their nose at me and said, well, arms have various lengths. Uh, it-, it was a complete facade. On one hand, they were touting about the, the, the uh, care and well-being of the veterans, and on the other hand, they introduced the new Veterans Charter, which basically took away a lifelong pension for pain and suffering and handed them a mitt full of cash and said, thanks for coming out. And uh, um, they, it, it's been proven, demonstrated time and again. I was the first one, uh, but uh, it's been proven in more detail that the amount of money that they were providing as, as lump sum payouts for very serious injuries, both both physical and mental, were a pittance compared to what uh, civil... Uh, liability would be in a in similar circumstances. In fact, I can't say similar circumstances because, on the civvy side, we have laws that protect employees from uh, uh, unsafe workplaces and practices. Whereas for our military people, we put them in places where we cannot guarantee their safety. And uh, just the kind of evil that some of our young people face, whether it's in Bosnia or Rwanda or Somalia or Afghanistan, the evil is unimaginable for the average Canadian. Alex, and uh, we've got some callers here who uh, want to talk to you, Colonel Stogren. Alex in Brampton, do you have a question or a comment? Uh, Let me just turn the radio off. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, we're on the radio? Yeah, you're on the radio. Go ahead. I'm only kidding. (laughs) <laughs> okay. 
Alex, go ahead Hello? with your question for yeah, the colonel. Well, go ahead, please. Is, uh, what are other countries doing that are better than what uh, we are currently doing for our veterans uh, here in Canada? And uh, you know, what is it that uh, we're lacking? I've, I've heard you know, <clears throat> your guest uh, speaking about all these things, but he hasn't indicated what, in fact, sure. we should be doing. Sure. Right. Well, let's just start. First of all, I won't compare us to the Americans because their Department of Veteran Affairs is bigger than our Canadian forces. So the problems that they have there are huge. But if you take a look at homelessness, for example, when I became the Veterans Ombudsman, our government flatly denied that we had homeless veterans. I had a minister that publicly admonished me for concocting this story. We've got to be more honest with uh, with Canadians as to how we're treating our veterans. Right off the top of the bat, the lump sum payment, we had ministers telling Canadians that, well, other countries have gone that way. They introduced a lump sum payment. The troops used to say, I get $125,000 for the first limb, 125 for the second limb, the third one I'll throw in for free. They capped it at $270,000 for, for the highest lump sum payment. In the United Kingdom, the equivalent is around a million dollars, like huge. This was clearly a, a, a money grab. Um, in, in Australia, for example, when they uh, have had problems with their, uh, uh, with their veteran affairs and the way they treat their old diggers, they tear the system apart. And like any system will have problems. We refuse to do that. This new government took over, and the first thing that they did well, they brought all of the stakeholders on board, and they started six new committees. Six new committees to study this. I have one friend, Major Retired Bruce Henwood, who lost his face and both of his legs in a mine attack in Bosnia, who spent five years of his life in retirement chairing the Special Needs Advisory Group that submitted five full volumes of recommendations to the government. Now, this government takes the helm, and the first thing they do is, Forget all those other committees. We're going to start over again. Now, put it out in the open so that Canadians can compare and see like with like. That's what I would say to you, sir, is that you have no idea how bad it is behind the scenes, and I wish I could share my rude awakening with you. Um, and I'm sure that the, the level of deceit that I uh, encountered is is characterized right across all of government. We really have to open up government so that you know how bad it really is. And you are entitled to your opinion, and you do have your personal experience, and, and therein lies the story in Rude Awakening. Sunday in Turkey Point, you have a question for Colonel Stogren. Yes, I do. Um, uh, I can certainly hear your frustration, and uh, I, I'm wondering what can the general public do to help um, with this situation? That is the Canadian way. Good question. What do you say to that? Well, and, you know, I'll say as a good Canadian, we have to demand that our government becomes transparent. The kind of uh, propaganda that I witnessed, the lying, the uh, saying one thing, you know, for the last gentleman there, I could list all sorts of malfeasance that I witnessed. But, you know, while Aaron O'Toole was talking about the millions that they were pumping into the system, they had directed the senior bureaucrats to turn it all back in to, uh, to service the debt, the deficit. Um, Canadians, we should not have to have a new elected government come back to the Canadian public and say, well, the books are a lot worse than we ever imagined it. We should not have things like uh, 
the residential school problem going on for decades behind the scenes where politicians there was a, a an article in on aptn today talking about just how much mr critchy i knew way back in the day about how bad it was in Attawapiskat, but they did nothing. So I would say what Canadians should be doing, and it would help everyone immensely, is to say, no, we, we won't allow the Prime Minister to cover up things like the uh, Duffy affair. It has to be out there so that the educated and informed Canadians can make uh, rational decisions when they're walking up to the ballot box. Colonel Stogren, uh, I only have half a minute left with you here, so if you could keep the time in mind, um, what, where do you go from here? Uh, well, uh, I'm promoting, I'm trying to get uh, Rude Awakening out to a, a broader audience than just veterans. Um, I'm going to continue my advocacy uh, from what I learned as a uh, a military officer in planning campaigns, and what I learned as a veterans ombudsman about the threat that all Canadians are facing, I'm just going to keep telling my story and hope that Canadians will one day put their foot down and say, let's start looking after Canadians. Thank you for your service, sir, and for your stories and your experience. We appreciate your time. Thank you for your time. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.